Radio. Restore Feminism. A talk by Rachel Wong from Culture Project Australia's Restore Nights. Very young age, I've always been very interested in social justice issues and human rights. Um, for some people, it's just something that's, I guess, written on their hearts. And for me, I think it's probably something to do with my temperament, but I've always just had this real thirst for justice and truth and always been super interested in, in anything that affects human dignity. Um, I've got a long history in the pro life movement. Um, and while that started off with a real concern for the unborn child and the violence that, that's done to them, as time went on, I realised more and more that um, the women are, are more often than not just as much a victim in that situation as the child is. Um, uh, over the years, I've done a lot of volunteer work for organisations that combat sexual exploitation of women, violence against women. Um, my background's actually in immigration and refugee law. I'm a lawyer um, by profession, but I've been working with the organisation I am with now for the last year or so. But during my work with uh, immigration and refugee law, I did a lot of work with uh, women who came from backgrounds of domestic violence um, and sort of looking at their immigration status and trying to sort that out for them. Um, and also with women who would otherwise have to return to their own countries to get abortions if they weren't able to stay in New Zealand, which is where I'm originally from, if you couldn't tell. Um, so after um, my practice in immigration and refugee law, I actually headed over to Samoa, where I worked with their uh, Law Reform Commission, and I ran a project over there which uh, looked at Samoa's laws and whether or not they complied with the Convention on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women. Um, and sort of seeing how you know we could make them work better for women um, in a way that sort of better promoted women's rights and equality and so on. And probably the two biggest issues that we dealt with over there were um, domestic violence against women and women's participation in public and political life. So those are the two real problematic areas. And the issue of domestic violence in Samoa is particularly saddening. Um, if you've got Samoan friends or colleagues, um, I'm not sure there's anyone here tonight who's Samoan, but they're just the most loveliest, friendliest, generous people, and I loved working with them, and I loved living there. But sort of um, underneath, ingrained in their culture, is uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of domestic violence, violence against women, sort of seeing women as inferior for whatever reason. Um, and the sort of thing that was even more sad was that the women themselves thought that way too. So they sort of thought that if um, if men abuse them or they got violent towards them, it must have been something they'd done wrong, which was just really, really sad. And we went and talked a lot to the women out in the various communities and sort of got their stories. But um, hopefully some of the policies we put in place will help them going forward. So um, after while I was in Samoa, I um, got called over to Sydney to work with the organisation I'm with now, which is called Women's From Australia. I'm not sure if many of you have heard of us, but look us up on Facebook, look us up on the internet, um, and follow us. Um, so Women's Forum Australia is a it's a little independent think tank, secular organisation, um, and it basically strives to create pro-women cultural change in Australia by informing and empowering women to make a difference. Um, and we do that through research, education and advocacy on issues affecting women. So whether it be social issues, issues related to health or economics and so on. And our vision is an Australian society that respects and promotes the dignity of all women. Um, I guess the main two ways that we try to influence Australian society is through um, influencing public policy and influencing public opinion. And so some of the work we've done this year uh, has been 
actually a lot more focus on the public policy side of things. So um, helping to produce research and uh, media commentary on issues like abortion, euthanasia, uh, surrogacy and prostitution. Um, and then in addition to sort of trying to shape public policy, um, public opinion, and also trying to, I guess, build a community of women who share our values and who can then go out and um, influence society in their own sort of uh, areas and spheres and their own work and circles and that sort of thing. And so we're actually starting up a new um, series which I've applied for. Unfortunately, the ticket sales are closed from Saturday, but we've got a new series called the Aspire Women series, which is basically, it's not like women, sorry guys, um, <laughs> but it's basically a series of events for women to kind of come together um, connect, to be informed about important women's issues and sort of be inspired to go out and make a difference inside of themselves. So we've got our first one this Saturday, but um, we'll be having a whole host of them next year. And I know some of you here tonight are coming on Saturday, so that's awesome. Um, all right, and probably the last thing I'll say about our organisation is that um, obviously there are lots of women's organisations out there, lots of sort of um, feminist-type organisations, and a few things that would set us aside from those organisations, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about this as we go on, but... Um, a few things would be that we see women as uh, distinct from men and we celebrate that. We think that women and men are equal but they're different, so that would be one thing. Um, another thing is that we are life affirming in our ethos, um, and so we promote solutions for women that uh, are life affirming and are non-violent. Um, and thirdly, we have a view of freedom that isn't just about choice and about license. It's something, it's something more than that. So it's, um, it's, I guess, if you sort of get deeply down to it, freedom is the ability to choose the good. So it's not just, it's looking at the consequences and it's looking at um, the actual object that's been chosen and not just saying, well, I can choose whatever I want. So those are a few things that set our organisation apart from other women's focused organisations. <clears throat> All right, feminism. <sighs> okay, before I get into the substance of the talk, who here would identify as a feminist. Be honest, hands up. Okay, all right. All right, hopefully that number changes by the end of my talk. Um, that can be the, <laughs> the measure of success. All right, so I think I saw three hands. Um, it's okay, I understand. Um, so what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, what feminism is, how it's been portrayed currently in society, how it's been represented, um, where I think it's maybe gone track a little bit, sort of where it's strayed, um, what I think we can do to bring it back, and then depending on how we're going for time, I might sort of drill down a little bit into some more issues a bit more specifically. Um, okay, so feminism. There are different views, obviously, and there's lots of debate about this, but for the most part, most people agree that feminism is a movement or an ideology which recognises that women have suffered and continue to suffer inequality and injustice in our society. And, um, and this movement or ideology, it sort of seeks to address this and it understands that women and men are equal in dignity and that women deserve the same uh, respect and the same equality opportunity as men do. So while there are different applications of feminism, most feminists would agree with that sort of basic idea of what feminism is. Um, the early feminists uh, very much yeah, understood that every human being is equal in dignity and they really sort of professed principles of care and non-violence and really understood the interrelatedness of human beings. So, you know, we're not just all individual islands, we actually live in a community and um, we, need, we need each other, basically. 
Um, the feminists today, uh, a lot of them in the mainstream, they're sort of they're pro-abortion. Um, they're pro lots of other things like prostitution, um, surrogacy, etc. Things which I would say are actually innately harmful to women. Um, but the early feminists weren't. They were very pro-life, and they saw that when sex was separated from its procreative potential, that this was actually harmful to women, and that it increased male infidelity and objectification of women. And finally enough, one of the early suffragist slogans was, was votes for women, chastity for men, or something like that. So, I don't know, it's quite a good one, but... Um, so, today, today's feminism, and you can call it different things, I guess I call it mainstream feminism, or popular feminism, or liberal feminism. It's the feminism that we sort of see splashed across the newspapers all the time. And the principles that they sort of really cling to are principles of freedom, empowerment, and equality. And there's nothing wrong with, with those things at all. But what I would say is that they've been misunderstood and therefore misapplied to a lot of the issues that women are facing today. So, feminism and popular culture. Popular culture, media, um, public policy making. Um, there are so many examples, and I'm just going to share a few with you. Um, but the first one that comes to mind is um, the Women's March, which happened after Donald Trump was sworn in. Was it this year or last year? Everything's a blur to me right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little while ago now. And so they, there was a big march um, to promote women's rights and equality because they thought that the man who was coming in wasn't going to respect that. I mean, you all have different views on that. I'm not going to talk about Trump tonight. Um, but, um, so, but one thing that really stood out with that march was that women who identified as pro-life, women who were opposed to abortion, were not invited. So... Initially, it was sort of like, oh, free for all, everyone's welcome. But then once the media got sort of wing of what was um, happening with the various pro-life feminists attending, they, the organisers of the march formally excluded them. So they weren't allowed. They still turned up, but they, they weren't welcome. Um, something very similar happened with our own Minister for Women, Tanya Davies, earlier this year, I think it was. So she, um, new Minister for Women, one of the first questions she was asked was, what's your view on abortion? And... Um, being honest, she said, I'm personally pro-life. And there was a massive backlash for her views on that. It was like, well, you can't be pro-life and, and be the minister for women. Like, that's extremely anti-woman, that's anti-feminist. Um, you can't serve a woman if that's what you believe. Um, and then there's, there was something in the paper the other day about Taylor Swift as well and how, I mean, I, I don't even know what her view is on the abortion issue, but because she hasn't come out as strongly on some of the issues that um, some of the mainstream feminists would like, they sort of um, disavowed her as well, and she's not a real feminist, she only is a feminist when she wants to be and that sort of thing. So there's this real, I guess, movement in mainstream feminism um, to exclude people who don't sort of toe the line, um, and, and yeah, so that's sort of one aspect of, of popular feminism today. Um, another aspect is, I guess, looking at some of the things in popular culture, like Playboy, um, the Honey Burnett lingerie, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that recently in the, in the news. Uh, there was some, some story yesterday about some girl selling her jelly for $4 million. All these things which are sort of proposed to be empowering for women. Um, so there's a lot of that and sort of all this, these women can do what they want with their bodies, etc, etc. So there's a lot of that um, in mainstream feminism. Um, what else? There's a lot in terms of policy making. You guys have noticed over the last year, or just generally speaking, there's always pushes for 
for abortion, um, for commercialised surrogacy, for more liberalised prostitution laws. Again, because you know this is a woman's choice, she should be free to do what she wants with her body, this is empowering for her. Um, and there's also that kind of idea of equality where you know women should be able to do these things so they can have the same uh, opportunities as men, etc. So um, and there's, and there's also a sort of um, there's this idea that feminism sort of uh, not just excludes women, but is sort of ragey or angry against against men. So men can't say anything at all. Um, and there's I don't know if you guys early in the year um, heard about the Red Pill film that came here. Anyway, basically it was it was a film to do with the men's rights movement, and it was a feminist who had I think written or directed the documentary. Um, and she did some interviews with some of the Australian media here and she got massive backlash because she was talking about men's rights and how could you possibly talk about men's rights and also talk about women's rights and still be a feminist and those things are exclusive and etc. She got massive backlash for that. Um, one more example that comes to mind in terms of the range of, sort of feminism we hear a lot from is, this is maybe a slightly more obscure example, but I read an article by Miranda Devine a couple of months back and she had got this story about women who were uh, writing in online forums, uh, it was like a mother a mother type forum, and they were writing um, about different things that mothers write about. And one woman had asked, um, "What, you know, my husband's getting kind of, we kind of getting sick of sandwiches. Like, what else can I make? Can we got any ideas?" And the backlash she got was just immense. It was sort of like, you know, you're a slave, you're from the 1950s. Um, you know, how dare you make your husband a sandwich? Like that's absolutely ludicrous. It was just intense, and so. Um, anyway, there were some women actually in the forum who defended her as well, but that sort of idea that, you know, um, like homemaking or being a mother is sort of, it's, I guess, belittled in a way. Like, that's sadly become a big part of sort of that mainstream feminism as well. Um, and all these sorts of ideas have led to, I've seen like women kind of coming out over the past year and before as well, and they sort of think, well, where is my place in feminism? I can't identify with this. So this isn't something... This isn't something for me. Uh, and there's obviously men as well who, who don't like it. And people like Miley Yiannopoulos sort of talk about feminism as being irrelevant and how you know feminists are fat and ugly. And I've got issues with both of those those views. So I obviously don't think feminists are fat and ugly because I'm a feminist. Um, but I also um, I don't think that feminism is something just to be disregarded either. I think it's something that is something good there, and I think it's something that's worth sort of reclaiming or restoring. So. Um, after looking at those examples, hopefully you've got a bit of an idea where feminism has gone a bit wrong, but I'll just spell it out a little bit more. So, firstly, um, the feminism that we see a lot today in popular culture has distorted these ideas of freedom and equality and empowerment. And so freedom has been reduced to just choice. Like I said before, you're not looking at what's been chosen, you're not looking at the consequences of that. It's basically, if I want to do it, then I can do it. It's my body, it's my life, etc. Um, equality is is seen as something where men are exactly, women are exactly the same as men, um, which which we know biologically is not true. Um, and so to say that they're exactly the same actually ends up in a situation where women are less equal to men. So for example, um, with the issue of, of abortion. So women, women are presented with this choice um, so that they can be the same as men, and in the sense that uh, if men don't have to be pregnant, then women don't have to be pregnant. But what would be better for women, uh, psychologically, physically, and with more respectful of 
of who they are um, in terms of their nature would be to actually provide alternatives for them, to provide support for them so they can actually continue with this, this stage in their life and in their child's life. Um, and not to simply say, well, let's get rid of it, even if son is a man, because it's just, that's not the reality. Um, and empowerment. As I said before, there are these issues like prostitution, pornography, um, the sexualization of women and girls in the media, and women and feminists saying, well, you know, women can express their sexuality like this, they can sort of do what they want. Um, but when we really drill down to what's happening in each of those different issues, what's what's happening is that women are being objectified, uh, it's promoting the sort of consumption of women's bodies, and it's women being seen as something that's less than human. And I was thinking about this before, and I was like, and this actually relates to my next point of individuality, but say there's a situation where um, where one woman, you know, you get rid of all the sort of external factors, and she's making a true choice, you know, for example, to be a prostitute or to be involved in pornography. Even if there was a genuine choice there, which I would argue was ever usually the case, because these women often come from backgrounds of poverty, coercion, etc. Even if she was making a choice, there was none of that. Her decision is not a decision that's just made in a vacuum. Her decision is a decision that affects society and other women. And if even if there are some women who are making those fully informed, fully free choices, there are going to be inevitably women who are not making those choices in that way. And so. For a woman who does supposedly have that choice to go out and make those decisions, she's still affecting how society perceives women, how women consumes, how society consumes, society, men consume women's bodies. Um, anyway, so, um, so that was my next point about individuality and how um, feminism today often is very individualistic um, and doesn't really take personal responsibility for a lot of, for, 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 for actions, I suppose. Um, the other point that sort of comes out of the examples I mentioned before is that feminism is exclusive. So it sort of says, you know, if you don't, if you don't think like us, then you're not a feminist. Uh, if you're a man, you're definitely not a feminist. Um, and I think a lot of these, a lot of these issues, especially issues like abortion, sexual exploitation, um, a lot of the sort of a lot of the relationship type issues, I think a lot of them stem back in sexual revolution and that's sort of what the early feminists were about in terms of separating sex from the procreative potential of sex. I think a lot of issues have come out of that, that and a lot of issues have come out of a misunderstanding of the human being um, and specifically of the nature of women um, and there's sort of this real lack of objectivity and understanding that there is objective truth and so everything just kind of becomes relative and when you engage in a mindset like that then there's no real right and wrong, and we know that obviously there is a real right and wrong, and so when you're acting like that, you're not going to be producing good outcomes for women or for society. Um, all right, so those are all the issues. What can we do to uh, to make feminism better and to make feminism for women in society and to sort of, I guess, practice feminism that's more authentic? Um, firstly, I would say that I don't think I'd agree with some of the commentary recently that there is no one way to be a feminist. So I think I used to think, you know, there was true feminism and there was fake feminism. But I think that's kind of falling into the um, the sort of mistake that sort of a lot of the mainstream feminists are, are following. So I would say, no, there is, you can be a feminist if you believe that there's an equality um, and justices in, in relation to women and women's issues and you want to fix that, you can be a feminist. I think there are going to be approaches that um, give better outcomes because 
if there's an approach that's more rooted in human nature or in what's good for women, that's going to give a better outcome. If it's an approach that's just rooted in ideology, it's not going to probably give us a good outcome. Um, I think there's still a real need for feminism. I think that um, there's still an equality. I mean, you, people here will have different views in terms of whether that's exaggerated or not. Um, I think there's definitely equality in terms of things like sexual exploitation. Um, women are much more likely to be victims of, of sexual and physical violence, and men are much more likely to be the perpetrators. I think there's still inequalities to do with things like abortion. Um, and even in terms of how women are portrayed in popular culture, like Game of Thrones, I hope there's no fans here, um, Grand Theft Auto, all those gaming things, there's, women are so often portrayed as objects and less than human. And, and not in the same way, and, and men are not portrayed in that way. So there's this still inequality, so there's a need for feminism. And I think another good example recently that came out, and again, you might have different views on this, but is the Harvey Weinstein um, saga, where obviously he was outed for all his abuse, sexual abuse of women, and then lots of other men have been outed in Hollywood as well, and in other spheres, I think, of society. And what it really showed was that there are a lot of women who are grappling with these things from all different walks of life, and there's a spectrum, obviously, of issues as well, from rape right down to sort of um, catcalling, etc. And there, obviously, there are different um, different levels of harm that have been done to women in the sense. But I think it was important for making the issue more public and um, for allowing them to feel they kind of come forward and talk about these things. Um, so I think there is a real need still for feminism. And I think that what we need to do is we need to reclaim concepts of equality, empowerment, and um, and freedom, and apply those in a way that's really authentic, and a way that really gets women in society. And I think we need to make sure that we acknowledge that we do live in a community, and that we're not just individuals, and that, um, actually, one other thing I forgot to mention was that all these concepts that I've been addressing, it's not just feminism where there's an issue, it's sort of society at large, but obviously we're talking about feminism, so. Um, and I think that feminism needs to be more inclusive, like I said, like you're not just a feminist and you believe in this or that. Um, and I think that inclusivity involves working with men as our partners and collaborators in terms of, you know, achieving better outcomes for them, and as a result, as, as a result um, society as a whole. So, how long have time? That was brilliant. That was good. I could talk, no, I won't actually. I was gonna talk a little bit more about particular issues and sort of drill down a bit more, but I think if you've got anything you want to ask about, then I can probably... Yeah, okay, so some issues we get, all right. Well, just quickly then, um, a couple of issues that I was going to talk about, um, I talked about them a little bit already, but um, abortion is, is one, so actually, no, I'm going to start with prostitution. Prostitution is one, so prostitution is a an issue that a lot of feminists and women's organisations say is... Um, is you know to be to have a decriminalised model of prostitution or to have legalised prostitution in different countries is pro women and that if you sort of if you don't have that then it goes underground or if you don't have that you're not allowing women to um, express their sexuality or to make choices for themselves and act autonomously etc. But um, if we go back to those ideas of uh, empowerment and freedom, you look at women who go into prostitution. A lot of them have come from backgrounds of poverty coercion, once they get into the industry, they find it very, very, very difficult to get out. Um, and and like I said before, the, the idea that women's bodies are the ones for consumption, or women's bodies are the ones for sale, is there's a, a massive discrepancy in terms of when you look at men and women. It's, it's always women. 99.9% of the time it's women. 
Um, so to be really pro-women and really sort of authentic and feminist in these issues, we look at the issue of prostitution and we say, okay, well, is this is this a real free choice for women? Well, a lot of the time it's, it's not. And we want to sort of have real freedom, authentic freedom for women. Um, is it empowering? Well, no, a lot of these women feel absolutely awful when they're engaged with prostitution. They feel hollow inside, they feel like, they feel absolutely worthless. And you read a lot of the stories of women who have um, worked prostitution, so it's, it's not empowering. Um, and there's no equality there, because like I just said, it's often women who are working prostitution, not men. So that's sort of prostitution in a nutshell, um, and we've written more on that, and we're going to do a lot, doing a lot more work on that next year. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but the different states in Australia will have different laws when it comes to prostitution. So in New South Wales, it's a completely decriminalised model, and then you go, I think, to Victoria, and it's legalised, some regulations, etc., etc. But South Australia, um, recently, um, in their one of their houses, they had a debate about whether or not. Uh, prostitution should be decriminalised there, and it's sort of nothing's really, nothing more is really happening at the moment. But um, there are some people who are looking at introducing the Nordic model in South Australia, um, and that would be absolutely incredible. So the Nordic model is was established um, it was in Sweden back in 1999, and basically what it does is it criminalises the buyer of prostitution, but it decriminalises the woman. So it recognises that women who are involved in prostitution are often victims and the the legal model also um, takes account of different initiatives and sort of ways for women to sort of get out of the industry as well. So it's a really, really good model and since it's been since it was instituted back in Sweden and other countries over the past um, sort of couple of decades, its prostitution rates have gone down, trafficking rates have gone down. Um, the two of them are inextricably linked together. So um, to have a model like that in Australia would be amazing. So we're going to do a little work around that next year. Um, the other issue I was going to go into in a little more detail is abortion. So um, again, abortion is an issue that it's probably one of the most controversial issues um, in, in feminism today. And so a lot of women, a lot of feminists would say that abortion is a woman's choice. Um, she needs to be able to have that so that she can sort of realise her full potential and whatever else she's doing in her life. Um, you know, it's fair that they should have abortions because then they can be like men because men don't have to get pregnant and etc, etc. But if you, you look at the research, um, and again we're looking at, you know, is this empowering for women, is this equality for women, is this sort of freedom for women? If you look at the research or you talk to women who've had abortions, um, majority of the time those women have abortions because they feel like there is no other choice. So. Um, they, they feel like there's no financial support, there's no emotional support, um, they, they've been coerced into it by an abusive partner or something like that. So when you're looking at the issue of choice and freedom, often abortion is not a good example of that. Um, and then in terms of empowerment, well, abortion a lot of the time can result in physical or psychological harm. So the various studies across the board estimate about a 10 to 30% increase in things like depression, um, alcohol abuse, um, other anxiety disorders, and then you've got the various physical issues that you can have as well once you have an abortion, like hemorrhaging or um, inability to get pregnant afterwards or miscarriage, etc. So um, if you're looking at abortions being empowering, with these sorts of things it's, it's clearly not empowering for women. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, in terms of equality, if you're really going to promote equality for women who are having unplanned pregnancies or crisis pregnancies, then you will enable a situation which doesn't put them against their child, 
and which gives them genuine support where they're not going to experience these other harms later on down the track. Um, so, you know, you'd, you'd have better adoption services or you'd have better um, maternity leave programs or more support for women at universities or um, there's, there's a myriad of things that we could have which should mean genuine equality for women in terms of abortion. So, and then on the issue of abortions, I mean, there's just so many angles that you can look at it from a feminist perspective um, which shows it's harmful women. So you've got things like sex-selective abortion where, you know, majority of, of people who are selected against are women, so in countries like China, India, etc. Um, you've got things like pressure for women to engage in prenatal screening and then have abortions because their child's disabled. Um, so people sort of look at that and they say, well, that's the choice that they can have. But what's happened is because of this initial choice, women now go to the doctors and doctors put pressure on them and they say, well, you know, it'll be easier, you don't know how difficult it's going to be, you know, and so on and so forth. And women get that not just from their health professionals, but from members of society as well. Um, a good friend of mine, her brother has Down syndrome, and after he was born, um, her mother, like, he was like brand new baby. Her mother was, like, carrying him in her arms, and someone came up to her and said, you know, they've got to test for that. And what kind of, you know, what kind of freedom, what kind of sort of autonomy does a woman have when she's got that pressure of society on her to, you know, abort her child because it's got a disability? There are probably a million other things I could say, but I think that's probably enough. Um, if anyone has any questions, I'm more than happy to um, answer them. Or if anyone wants to catch up on that stage and talk more about feminism or women's issues, then I'm more than happy to do that. You can get my email off Catherine or one of the girls, or you can um, look at on Facebook or whatever. I'm more than happy for either. Uh, all right, so I'm just going to ask my question again. Who here identifies feminist? You can also be a feminist if you're a guy as well, I was just saying. just means that you recognise there's inequalities and injustices and that you want to fix them. All right, thank you. That was Rachel Wong with Restore Feminism. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.